We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, I'm out in New York covering the NBA draft. It's 1 a.m. I'm still not done with all my work for the night, but, you know, we had to get the podcast up and popping. Let's talk about Kobe White, number seven pick for the Bulls. Also nabbed Daniel Gafford in the second round at number 38 overall. Pretty fun, eventful draft overall, I thought. Yeah, so a lot of stuff happened before the draft even started. A bunch of trades. What was it the Timberwolves traded up to six? The Pelicans trade. The Pelicans traded number four. The Hawks. There was that old big trade. And for a while there, it looked like the Bulls were going to wind up with Jared Culver. Your number one. Your best case scenario. Then at number six with the Timberwolves, and they traded up. They ended up taking Jared Culver number six, leaving Kobe White there for the Bulls. Kobe. I feel like Kobe White was. After the Bulls fell to seven, I feel like Kobe White was mocked to the Bulls in a ton of mock drafts. Big thing about this offseason was that the Bulls needed an upgraded point guard. They got this upgraded point guard with Kobe White. Uh, you had him at, I believe, number two behind Culver on your on your Bulls big board. So I guess just how are you feeling just missing out on Culver, ending up with Kobe White? I mean, obviously, I feel like you're feeling all right. I saw you graded graded the Bulls pick as a B-plus on your Aspen Nation grades. Just, just what, do you, what are you feeling about right now with the Kobe White pick at number seven? Yeah, man, I was really getting my hopes up for Jared Culver because getting him at number seven, I really thought would have been tremendous, just offering some like two-way versatility in the backcourt, someone who I thought could have been like sort of the lead ball handler on the team moving forward in terms of scoring out of isolation, scoring out of pick and rolls, uh, and being a guy at six seven with a strong frame who can do those type of things. Would have been a major asset, I think, for the rebuild moving forward. Instead, you get a guy like Kobe White, who I do really like. I think, you know, what Kobe White has going for him, and we've talked about this, you know, quite a bit already while discussing him uh, in the weeks leading up to the draft, but, you know, a few things. First of all, really good size at six foot five. I think it gives him the opportunity to play on or off the ball. Obviously, the Bulls' uh, intention is going to be to develop him as the point guard of the future. That's the position he played at North Carolina. He played it in high school as well, but he's always been known as more of a scorer than a facilitator. And Kobe White had a tremendous freshman year for North Carolina. I think his knockdown shooting ability is the first thing that stands out. He was so good off the catch 
in the 92nd percentile in spot-up opportunities uh, this season at North Carolina. He wasn't as effective as an off-the-dribble pull-up shooter, only finishing the 27th percentile in those situations. But the balance that he shows and the uh, like, quick, repeatable shooting motion he has, I think gives him great upside to be a really, really good pull-up shooter moving forward, even if the numbers didn't show it during his, whatever, four or five months at North Carolina. So I basically think you're getting a lead guard who can play super fast, who can hit shots, and who can grow into his role as a point guard with the Bulls. Now, if he doesn't, uh, you know, totally come into his own as a facilitator, well, guess what? You look at the 2020 draft, and it's almost all point guards. So the Bulls will have an opportunity to, you know, take another guard next year if they have to. In that scenario, you know, maybe Kobe comes off the bench as your sixth man. Maybe you move Levine and Kobe's your two guard to give you more of a two-point guard look. Uh, so I really like Kobe. I mean, you know, the, the defining trait in his game is his speed. North Carolina finished at its fastest tempo rate ranking in 20 years with him as the, as the engine of the offense. Carolina is a program that is known for playing fast, and I think that he has, like, plus plus ability basically to play with tempo he plays fast but also under control he's gonna really just single-handedly push the bulls offense up the tempo ratings ranking so uh i like kobe white i think it was a good pick with culver off the board i think that you know i don't want to say he was the best player available because i think someone like brandon clark uh who's a front court guy who didn't go until number 21 to the grizzlies I think he's probably a better pure player, but just in terms of like what the Bulls were looking for, filling a need, giving them some lineup versatility. Uh, I, I really like the Kobe White pick. I gave it a B plus, and I stand by it. So you mentioned, uh, I guess, looking even looking at the twenty twenty draft. Like, I feel like Kobe White probably won't be that good as a rookie, right? I mean, is that he probably needs a lot of work? That's just what I'm gathering. Like, I'm. You know way more about like his maybe NBA readiness. I did not watch him that much in North Carolina. Like it just seems like as a freshman, freshman point guard or rookie point guards, like I feel like it's very difficult to be good right away. I feel like it's probably gonna take some time for him to actually make an impact, right? So I feel like they're gonna have to be patient with him. So I I don't even know like judging like like how bad would he have to be for them to like look at a point guard another guard in the twenty twenty draft. Well, to me it's like what you need in today's NBA is shooting, passing, and ball handling. I've mentioned it a few times, but just like the lineups the Rockets were running out in the Western Conference semifinals against the Warriors with CP3, Harden, Eric Gordon, Austin Rivers, PJ Tucker, no one taller than 6'5 or 6'6. Six, six. Uh, I think that those are sort of the traits that have come to define this era of NBA basketball. So to me, it's like because Kobe can play as a shooting guard, Definitely take a point guard next year if there is one with elite vision who you think can complement your young core moving forward. So, uh, you know, Kobe is not going to be a pure passer. And I really do think what the Bulls need in this rebuild, if they're going to build around two bigs and Markin and Carter, is an elite facilitator. I mean, those guys, by and large, are not going to be creating their own offense off the dribble. So you need someone to get him the ball. Kobe White can do that. Uh, but, you know, that's part of his game that I think gives him upside is his ab- ability to improve on his facilitating. He wasn't picked number seven overall because he's a great facilitator. He was picked number seven overall because the dude just gets fucking buckets. <laughs> uh, and I, when I wrote a big story on him on SBNation.com, 
two weeks ago, I gave four NBA comps for him. It was D'Angelo Russell, CJ McCollum, Colin Sexton, and Jamal Murray. So I'm not saying he's going to be as good as some of those guys because the bar is pretty high, but, uh, you know, that's just a similar type of player that he is and uh, someone he compared well to, you know, when you take their advanced stats in college in totality. So I like Kobe White. I think he's got a little bit of the it factor as well, but, you know, I, I don't think that this pick should preclude the Bulls from taking a point guard next year if there's a good one available that they like. I guess back to the, the one other question. They, do you think he'll actually be good as a rookie, or do you think he'll be bad? I think Straight he'll be up. pretty good, but he might be one of those guys who, like, grades out poorly in the RPM standing. Yeah, that, yeah. Just because he's going to have to learn a lot of nuance on the defensive end. And the team's going to be bad. Like, that's yeah. the other thing. It's like, uh, dude, they're going to be trash. The Bulls needed to make a bold move in this draft. I loved the idea of acquiring Lonzo Ball and Jared Culver just to, for Zach Levine in the seventh pick, just to, like, totally shake it up. Uh, you look at how fluid roster building is in the NBA these days, and I feel like the Bulls are just kind of, like, getting their guys and hoarding them together and, hoping they grow into something, but they don't really know because they always get hurt and their training staff is so poor, but they never replace it. And then Paxson and Foreman don't know how to evaluate guys in their own building unless they're like, you know, literally working out in the practice facility, the Advocate Center every day. So to me, the Bulls are still going to be bad next year. Like they could sign Patrick Beverly in free agency. Let's say the Bulls do that. Let's spin this forward. All right. They signed Beverly in free agency. Let's say they signed Malcolm Brogdon in free agency. I don't. I don't think they're going to sign. I, th- I think at this point, I think Brogdon would have been like if they would have signed, if they would have drafted like Culver. I feel. I don't think they're going to spend big money on it. Casey kind of hinted at that. I mean, I guess it necessarily it shouldn't necessarily stop them if they really liked Brogdon or Russell or somebody like that. But I would doubt. I, I feel like Beverly's or like a, a Collison or. Corey Joseph is out there, or a Rubio, I guess. Like, I feel like they're going to go more like the short-term veteran route. But either way, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, the Bulls are going to be bad. Like, I'll set their over-under for wins. I mean, the optimistic side would probably be 35. They won 22 last year. More realistically, you know, you're looking – you know, around thirty, maybe. Uh, I said, I said thirty-two to thirty-five if they can make some solid veteran signings. Yeah, dude, they're going to be trash. And the problem is when you finish in that area, you have diminished chances at actually adding a player who can, like, change the long-term outlook of the team as an elite talent. Obviously, what the Bulls are missing right now is just a superstar. If you put Jimmy Butler on the Bulls right now, if they somehow had enough cap space to go get him, uh, that would, like, immediately vault the Bulls up into a pretty good spot, I think. But it's just so hard to find a top 10, top 15 caliber player. I don't really think anyone on the Bulls has the type of potential right now, even though I do like Mark and Carter. I do like Kobe White. But uh, without having that high-level guy, it's like they're going to continue to be bad. And uh, it's, it's just like Kobe White's nice. I like him. But the Bulls' future is just not looking good to me. What do you make – of the Kobe White Levine backcourt, do you think that's something that could actually work long term? I feel like it does not. The way you're talking right now, I feel like you do not think that's something that's long term successful. So I think it could be. It depends how Kobe develops. 
as a facilitator. I mean, their shot-making ability and their ability to create off the dribble is going to be really dynamic. Like, the key is going to be them taking smart shots and playing together and benefiting everyone else on the floor, right? Not just playing for themselves. Like, part of my argument for why I wanted to do the trade of Levine uh, for foreign Lonzo, even though Levine had a good year last year and scored with above average efficiency, was able to create his own shot off the dribble. The question with Zach Levine to me has always been, does he make anyone better ever on either side of the floor? To me, all his offense comes at the expense of touches for Markkinen and Carter. Uh, he's someone who sort of like freezes out his teammates and goes to work as a, as a scorer. His, his best quality is his ability to hit tough shots, which has value deep in the playoffs, but... Uh, for a team that's trying to like groom young guys, I don't know how much value that has. And then defensively, he just compromises everything because he sucks. So for White and Levine to work together, what they're going to have to do is boost up the rest of the team as a whole. Now, getting a veteran wing like Otto Porter, I think, is a major help for that just because you have a plus defender, a plus shooter, and really like all the small forwards in the NBA who are better than Otto Porter are like superstars. Like, Otto Porter is really freaking good. Uh, I think that Levine needs to try to be more of a facilitator. And if I'm Zach Levine and if I'm the organization, I'm telling them at the start of the season, like, we want Markinen to lead the team in field goal times this year. So that means you got to take a step back in terms of trying to be this, like, and one mixtape player <laughs> who's just going to be crossing dudes over and going for highlight reel plays. And instead, try to feed the big man, try to be a team-first player. Uh, Because if that doesn't happen, I feel like Levine is the guy to move, even though he is talented. And hopefully Zach Levine proves me wrong, because I've always been a big fan of his game. The problem is that he's entered the league, he's never improved on the things he hasn't been good at. He's just doubled down on the things he is good at. I feel like he has improved at least a little bit as a passer. I'd have to pull up his assist numbers, but I feel like he got better as the year went on this year. I feel like his turnovers went down a little bit. I feel like in that February when they were really good offensively, I feel like we saw a little bit of that chemistry with him and Markkinen. So I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just overly optimistic here that I thought that maybe that we saw a sign there that he can be that more of a team player instead of just chucking shots. It did help that he was also just making everything when he – was shooting and that Lowry was also making everything. So like that did make things look a little bit better. So I, 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 I mentioned on some of the recent pods as well, when we were talking about these possible trade scenarios that I guess I'm a little higher on Levine, maybe than you are, or maybe that people are in general, that I still think there is the possibility there that he can develop as that playmaker. And now that we have Kobe white there, it'll be interesting to see. I do want to let's pivot. Also, John Paxson did talk tonight. Uh, I know how much we love John Paxson here, but he did say some things that I actually did like. He did bring up how the Bulls should be playing faster, and he and he actually brought up Chris Fleming, the guy the Bulls hired away from the Nets. Who and the Nets the last couple of years, we saw the, how their their culture changed under Kenny Atkinson, and Chris Fleming was there, and their offensive philosophies, playing faster, shooting more threes, and that Paxson was basically stressing that, especially now with Kobe White and with Fleming there. And he claimed that Boylan wants to play faster. He also kind of strangely called out that some players on the Bulls might not have wanted to play faster last year, which is kind of weird because Boylan was clearly the one who was slowing everything down. So I guess in this vein, do you think do you think the Bulls are actually going to play fast next year? Do you think Boylan will actually institute like a, a, a fast-paced team like we, we've seen with the Nets, like we've seen with the Kings the last couple of years? 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, where were they in tempo? I'm pulling up the John Hollinger stats right now. So in terms of pace in the Hollinger stats, the Bulls ranked... It was like the 20s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, tied for 20th with Charlotte. So yeah, I mean, they have a lot of upward mobility in those rankings. They should play fast. The best way to leverage the talent they have on the team is just to play fast. And that starts with Levine and Kobe. And I do think that's going to be Kobe's greatest benefit, at least early in his career, is going to be getting the team to move. Like, Hoiberg would have loved Kobe White. As a right. Yeah. Hoiberg was, like, begging D-Rose and begging some of the other bad point guards we've had here in the past to play with more pace. And Kobe White does that in his sleep. He He does not have a slow gear in his game. So I think... Uh, that that's going to be good, but it's just like it comes back to the fact that I just don't think Kobe White is by any means going to be a savior. Like ideally, I think that in a normal draft he would be picked like ten to fourteen. Uh, you take him at seven because a lot of the top freshmen in this class, like Cam Reddish, like Romeo right. Langford, like Nazir Little, like Bull Bull, those guys disappointed or just didn't even play. So because of that a guy like Kobe White playing for a big-time program in North Carolina had an opportunity to really rise up draft points. I remember reading clips on Kobe White before I did my story talking to his high school coach about his high school days. And he, Kobe White was like, yeah, you know, my goal is to be ranked in the top 15 in the country of my recruiting class. And he never got up there. He, was, he ended up ranked like 25. Well, he just went from the number 25 recruit to the number seven draft pick in one year. So... Not that the recruiting evaluators uh, have a better eye for the game than NBA scouts. I don't think that that's the case. Certainly recruiting evaluators have plenty of misses over the years. Uh, Scalabissier comes to the top of my mind. There's, <laughs> there's just a ton of them, right? Uh, but White, to me, is not someone who's going to immediately change the short-term outlook of the team. Yeah, I do that's what think I that he's a nice piece to add because – he can shoot, pass, and dribble. He can play fast. He gives you some line of versatility, being able to play on or off the ball offensively. So I like the pick, but I don't think that it's like a franchise-changing selection by the Bulls by any means. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, once they've like fell to seven in this draft, I feel like it would have been hard to do that. I know the thought Culver might have been able to do that, but I mean, once Culver was off the board, picking between the guys that were available – I mean, I'm totally, totally fine with Kobe White. They needed a point guard. He's there. Hopefully, he does in a few years. Like I said, I, I'm not. I, my expectations for him for next season probably aren't going to be that high, just because I mean, young point guards. It's always tough like that. Uh, so let's we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you gave him, like I said, you gave him a B, B plus, I believe, on your estimation rankings. I think that's that sounds about right. Like I feel like I at least I'm, I'm happy that I'm like not like they didn't reach for like if they would have picked Jackson Hayes, that would have been kind of strange. Uh, if they would have picked Reddish, I feel like I ne- was never a fan of Reddish. So I'm good with Kobe White. Uh, before we talk about the Bulls' second round pick, let's uh, hear from one of our one of our new podcasts here for from Real Underscore Sports, a great podcast that just joined us here recently. What's up, Blue Wire listeners? This is Jack from the Real Underscore Sports podcast, a Snapchat sports pod. 
We recently ranked as the number one sports podcast on all of iTunes, all of Apple. We cover all things from the NBA draft, from NBA free agency. We're working on MLB this summer, as well as the NFL offseason. Catch me and my co-host Abe on the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod, a part of the wonderful Blue Wire Podcast Network. All right, and we're back. Let's talk about the second round. The Bulls are the number 38 pick, and they took Daniel Gafford out of Arkansas. They did pass on Bull Bull, who had a huge fall. Uh, he, I believe, what was he coming, like, coming into this season? What was Bull Bull? He was a top five pick, right? And then he fell, I believe, 44. Uh, what do you make of the Daniel Gafford pick out of Arkansas? I believe t- 2018, he was... Suppose he was projected as a lottery pick, and then he came back to Arkansas, and then he just kind of, kind of fell. Uh, I did not. I admittedly did not watch much of Arkansas and Daniel Gafford basketball. If you can talk about why he, why his stock fell, why if 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 you liked the pick, if you thought they should have, the Bulls should have taken a chance on Bulbul, whatever happened there. So let's talk about what happened in this early in the second round. Yeah. There. So Gafford is a freshman at Arkansas last year was projected as a top 20 pick by almost everyone. He made a really surprising decision to return to school for his sophomore year. Now, Arkansas just, I mean, they weren't great last year, and his numbers totally flatlined. Of course, as I pull up his stat page on ESPN, ESPN no longer has his college stats available. But essentially, his numbers didn't improve at all uh, from his freshman to sophomore year. And I think because of that, uh, you know, his stocks looked a little bit. So, you know, what he is going to be, Daniel Gafford, is a run-and-jump center who is going to, you know, be a guy who catches lobs on offense and who protects the rim on defense. Now, he, you know, because of his pedigree, I think coming into this year, he does have uh, some upside. And you could say, you know, this was a good pick because it was a guy who was a projected first-rounder last year who we got in the second round. Woo! At the end of the day, though, there's just so many damn centers in the league. You can find a good veteran center for super cheap. Good centers go undrafted all the time. Uh, so I don't love this pick. I don't think it's terrible because I do think he'll be able to run the floor. He'll be able to finish. He's someone who dunks everything. Like You put him in a high pick and roll, you throw a lob up there, he's going to catch it. Uh, he can block some shots. Like I said, really good at running the floor. But I just kind of feel like that skill set is a bit of a dime a dozen these days. What the Bulls should have done, I thought, well, first of all, I wanted him to take Bull Bull. But if they didn't take Bull Bull, someone like Taylor Horton Tucker, a local kid, oh, yeah, I saw you tweeting on high school, went to Iowa State, played only one year there, and was the youngest player in this draft of the American college players. Uh, doesn't turn 19 until November. Like, to me, he has a more dynamic skill set and way more upside than someone like Gafford, who to me is a low ceiling but a higher floor. It's like the Bulls actually had higher ceiling options available with their second-round pick, and to me they took a guy with a low ceiling in Gafford. Now, maybe Gafford will play a, you know, a decent role for him, and he'll actually be able to last on the team. But to me, like dev- – like try to take a chance on someone with some upside like Horton Tucker, develop him from, for a couple of years. You got your own G league team now and then see what you could do because you could always find a center like Daniel Gafford. I think now he, he is 
pretty strong and pretty fast, and he's got good leaping ability. So we'll see. Uh, but I just think that centers are such a dime a dozen these days. I really like Horton Tucker's tools. And I think. Yeah, hold on. Just for THT, Chicago guy, I feel like my. When the Lakers ended up with them, my TL was just like going wild over him. And uh, he was a guy who should have gone to Illinois. Piece of shit. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I wish he would have gone to Illinois. There was a whole weird thing with him and Ao, uh, and the Iowa State. But I feel like my TL was just like going wild over him, and just like great pick, like Lakers, and like the uniqueness of him. Just can you explain a bit more? Just what, like, why he should be so good? I'm just curious because like I I didn't watch him that much. Just like I know he's just, I just read that he's a really unique player. Just like his wingspan is enormous for his size, and he's like, a little bigger. And just like a skill set for his size, just talk a little bit more about, about him. I'm just really curious. Yeah, so he just has yes. unique tools, I think. Like 6'4", 235, 71 wingspan. So immediately you have a guy who has ridiculous length and also like strength and a low center of gravity. Uh, he can really get rumbling in transition. And he was a guy who had a tendency to like fill up box scores. There were games, a bunch of games this year where he had like four more assists. There were games where he would rebound well. He got off a ridiculous amount of threes on his volume, didn't really make them, but I think it takes a certain amount of talent just to get off threes at that type of volume. You look at someone like uh, uh, DeAndre Hunter, who went at four to the to the Hawks. I thought that was kind of a weak Hawks. pick. I think I gave that a C minus in my grade uh, when I factored it in, or maybe a C plus. I mean, yeah, I mean they gave up a lot. But he to couldn't go even get, get off threes with value. So to be able to uh, to be able to get someone like that who at least like has intriguing physical talent, who could be someone who impacts the game as a transition player, who can handle the ball, who can pass, who can switch defensively. Taylor Horton Tucker had good block and. St- steal rates uh during his freshman year at iowa state so i would have taken him i mean why, why not he actually has upside and tools whereas someone like gafford to me is just a limited ceiling interesting and i guess let's go back to bobo real quick like so why why do you think he fell so much was again like he was before the season top five he put up some pretty good numbers i'm pretty sure at oregon and then he had the foot injury and it sounds like just his his medicals were bad, and like there were some character concerns. Why do you think the Bulls didn't take him, and why do you think he just fell? I think he fell to 44 to the, the, the Nuggets, I believe, ended up getting him in a trade. Why do you think he fell I so think much? it was because he's probably the worst interview of all time. Now, I've talked to Bull. I went out to do a big story on him when he was in high school, uh, and I talked to him at the UIBL circuit. Now, on that weekend, I saw him play two games. In the first game, he whooped Cam Reddish's ass. In the second game, he whooped Marvin Bagley's ass. And then Bagley reclassified. They were originally in the same grade. Bagley reclassifies, goes to Duke here, early, whatever. Bull dominated. And his team beat him by like 25 or something. The problem with Bull is that he's just like so sort of unengaged and over the bullshit that goes into like selling yourself to be in this type of position. Uh, and I have a lot of empathy for him, to be totally honest, because it's like, look at Bull Bull, the way he looks, there's only one person in the world that can understand what he's going through, and that's his dad. And his dad is going to be so tied into him for his entire life 
but his dad died when he was 10 years old. So now he's going through life where he's like moving to all these different states. He was in Kansas for a while, ended up in California. Uh, he just looks so, you know, unique and has such a unique skill set that immediately he was going to have this enormous amount of pressure on him with that last name. He started becoming friends with like a bunch of like young rappers, which I think sort of maybe influenced some of his social media behavior and just sort of like his outlook on life a little bit, I think. But I think it's ridiculous that NBA teams held it against him that much. Now, you know, I don't know. Maybe if you get Bol Bol in a room, you can see that he does not have the desire to be a great player. But I'm telling you, man, his talent is really, really rare. To have that shooting ability and a 7-3 skill set, you got to be a hard worker at least a little bit. So uh, I have a lot of empathy for Bol Bol. I I feel sad for, you know, everything he's gone through in his life. And he was clearly devastated by slipping. Uh, yeah, he was one of like yeah. the green room guys, and he had the sweet he had the sweet spider spider web like suit, and falling all the way to the mid forties was tough. I guess well, one of the before before we wrap up here, I thought the I thought the Bulls might have had an opportunity possibly to get into the second round. Were there any other guys in the second round you thought the Bulls should have? possibly tried to target to trade into i mean they had they they had all those the cash considerations that they could have bought a second round pick is there anybody you wish like we talked about horton tucker we talked about bull bull is there anybody else you wish they would have possibly gone after in the uh, second round not really those were the two names that jumped out to me i would have liked shamari ponds from st john's uh but i mean after you got Kobe, yeah I mean, he went undrafted, got- didn't he I think the Rockets picked him up. I sure. Think and I after he got that. Kobe, he didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, and then yeah. I would have liked maybe John Conchar from uh, Fort Wayne, who was went to West Chicago High School, and he put up some ridiculous mid-major stats this year. He also went on draft and just got picked, picked up by the Grizzlies. Too. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, there we go. Uh, so I guess if we were to give just this Bulls this Bulls uh, draft a grade, what do you think? Like, a, you gave Kobe a B. Seem you seem a little not correct. Like maybe like okay on Gafford. So what do you think? It's like a a solid B around there. Was you said I think it's B plus for Kobe. Gafford seems almost like a C level. So probably like a solid B. Yeah, draft I give him Bulls, a B. And thinking? the key thing is that while I do think the Bulls got some guys that could make them better. Uh, it's not going to, like, really improve the team, though. Like, the team still sucks. The Bulls should have made a bold move. You see all these other franchises making bold moves around the league. And the Bulls are just kind of content to, like, get their ass beat every night and to hope their young core can grow together. It's like, you got to think outside of the box a little bit. you got to have some ambition in terms of your team building. I think that the Bulls are going to be bad next year, like, Signing Patrick Beverly, dude, they're going to be trash if they do that. Maybe they'll sell some tickets. God forbid they sign D-Rose. But uh, in general, man, I I like Kobe White, but the rebuild just has a long, long, long way to go. Uh, And I I hope I'm wrong about this, but I anticipate it to be another long season next year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're right around, like, the 7th or 8th or ninth or 10th worst team in the league. And we're back in this position next year where you're in the draft, you have a decently high pick, but not one that's high enough to really get a game changer. 
Yeah, our, our guy, I think it was Will Gottlieb, tweeted just like a, a depth chart for Bulls right now, and I said like, oh, it looks like a fun 30-win team. Because I feel like they, they could be fun as long as like oil and lets them loose. But like as of right now, like 30 wins, like I feel like would be fine. And then if they add a few good, decent veteran free agents, like maybe they could get to whatever, 35 wins. And I, I feel like that would, like you say they're trash. I honestly kind of feel like if they add whatever, 13 wins, that would be okay for where they're at like obviously if they still have a long way to go to actually be an actual contender and uh if i don't i'm not really sure where they'd go from there if they whatever they won 35 games and if some of their young guys showed improvement i guess i'm not honestly sure especially next like next season the free agent class isn't that great if they get like another late-ish lottery pick like i i guess i really don't know uh they which clearly just shows like how much they they how much uh, is still left to go before they're actually like a, a team that could be uh, considered an actual contender in the East. So they got, they got a lot of room to grow. I feel like they can at least be fun. Uh, as long, I, I guess if, if they can at least be fun next season, this past season was so fucking miserable. Like all I want is just at least, I guess not all I want, but I, I just want to at least have an entertaining season. Even if it's not that good, just like give me something fun to watch because this la- these last couple of seasons have been just so, so bad. Just, Give me at least some entertaining, some entertainment, some hope for the future, and hopefully, maybe we'll we'll see where they go from after next season. I know I feel like a lot of people are actually going to expect possibly going into the playoffs. I'm not going to say that's completely out of line, but I feel like it's just mostly unrealistic. Like going from 22 wins to the playoffs is kind of wild. But yeah, I just, I, I, next season I just kind of want them to just be entertained, just be like an entertaining, semi bad team. I don't. I hopefully they're not trash. You seem to be leaning towards them. Just well, being I don't think they'll be trash. bad enough to get a good pick. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So I, I guess like trash not, and just, they could be fun and exciting for sure. Like I love watching Kobe White play. I like the Kobe White pick quite a bit, and I think that you know even if they were to make a bold move, like I'm saying with Lonzo and Culver, they would they would have been worse this upcoming. Yeah. But I think it would have given them right. some yeah. more upside for the future. What? is tough about the position the Bulls are in now is I don't think the current core has like great upside in it. Now I might, I might be wrong about that. And maybe someone like, you know, there's a chance that Kobe, I think there's a chance Kobe could be better than John Moran to be totally honest. Like it's not totally off the table. Uh, It's not a likely outcome, but it's plausible if he improves as a facilitator and becomes a really elite knockdown shooter, you look at most yeah. of the great guards in the NBA right now, they, most of them are great pull up shooters. So if Kobe can become that, which like I said on a podcast with John Wasserman here a few weeks ago, like I have more faith in Kobe's facilitating than Morant's pull up shooting. Now let's say Kobe really becomes elite as a pull up shooter. Now maybe that is the guy who can help you you know, take a next step or maybe he becomes good as a facilitator and then Lowry or Carter takes the next step. But just coming into next year, like I'm not, I'm not like gung ho about the fact that like they're going to be good <laughs> or, or, or anything else. Like they'll be more excited. Hopefully they stay healthy, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's certainly hard to be gung ho about the main good. I and mean, they were, fucking terrible last season so like like i said that's why like it's kind of tough to like if, if they win 35 games like that's a big jump but it's still just kind of like where do they go from there 
it, a lot depends on just how, how like whatever how Lowry develops, how Levine develops, if Kobe shows flashes as a, as a rookie. It's just still just uh, so many question marks still, and uh, I guess I guess it'll be. Interesting they really to see need how, some wings on this goes. team too, like if Hutchinson or. <laughs> Hold on. Speaking of speaking of that, like there was K- Casey. We love Casey Johnson, but there was that whole uh, like report. I I think they were. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was like, oh, well, the Bulls really don't think they think they're okay at the wing because like they have Otto and Lavina, and then they have Hutchinson and Val- Valentine behind them. It's just like you can't be making draft decisions based on fucking Denzel Valentine and Chandler Hutchinson. Like, are you yeah. kidding me, guys? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they definitely need depth everywhere. Like, I, 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 we didn't hold on. I guess to finish off here, what do you think happens with Chris Dunn? Like, I think that they're going to sign a veteran and they're going to yeah, trade him. Like, that what do you could, think that happens? Might with be him? the case. We got to save that for another podcast. It's too We probably should. Yeah, I totally, totally, totally. I, I meant to ask you a question about Chris Dunn, and then just totally lost my train of thought there. But I, I yeah, I think he's going to be gone. Uh, I. I, I guess I don't really know what they're going to trade him for, but we will save that for the next one. We got, uh, we're what, like nine days out of free agency now. Free agency now starts on June 30th at like, I think it's five or 6 PM local time here in Chicago now, since they, thank God they put up, they moved uh, the moratorium or the forever free agency opening up from 11 PM to now, like it's like I said, five or 6 PM. So that's a lot nicer. Uh, we will we will have at least one more pod. Well, I guess we'll do a free agency preview pod next week sometime. We'll talk more about Chris Dunn. We'll talk about possible possible targets. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's it. You got anything else from the draft tonight? Any other leftover takes? Not really. I want to go to sleep. I've been up since like six a.m. and I've been yes, writing, yeah. and I got more writing to do. So it's, it's late. All right. Yep. Awesome. Well, yes. Well, like I said, free draft is over. Free agency coming up soon. Always a lot of fun. Probably one of the best times of the NBA season. The fucking best basketball never sleeps. Season ends. We go right into the draft, right into free agency, and it, and it just gets wild. As always, shout out to to Blue Wire, Blue Wire Network. Please follow at Blue Wire Pods. Please check out all the other podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Please go rate and review us. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those places. So, uh, Jason, Ricky, out in New York City, doing a great job covering the draft. Take it easy, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.